Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Very good. So welcome. We are in, uh, we're the second week into a series uh, on the fruits of the Spirit. We're talking about all, all about the Holy Spirit. The series before this one was talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how God empowers us with gifts to, to serve Him and encourage one another. Um, and Greg started our new series on the fruit of the Spirit last week, and he was talking about some of the differences between gifts and fruit. Today I want to continue on, um, and I want to talk about how we can be fruitful and not just fruity. Does that make sense? I don't know if you've ever gone for breakfast and uh, you've got hold of um, some orange juice for your breakfast and you took a sip of your orange juice and you're like, hmm, it looks orange, but it doesn't quite taste right. It tastes a bit like orange, but there's a weird taste in my mouth. It's, it resembles orange juice, so it's fruity, but actually, you know, it's not full of fruit. Can you, can you understand where I'm coming from? When you get a glass that is just orange juice, freshly squeezed, and you can feel all the bits in your mouth, and it's sweet, you know the real thing. And today, I want to talk about how we can be like real orange juice, in a sense, how we can be people who are full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, who, who don't just kind of have this hint of fruitiness, but who are fruitful. We, we can sometimes be guilty of not being fruitful in the sense that we interact with people and they sense there might be something different about us, but there's a weird taste in their mouth potentially after they've had time with us. We want to be the kind of Christians who are so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the fruit of the Spirit, that we taste sweet and people just want more of us, amen. And that happens when we actually are not trying to be fruity in our own strength, but are actually full of the Holy Spirit. And so my goal today is trying to do that. I want to talk about how we can, we can be on the winning side of trying to overcome temptation. You know, sometimes we, we, we fight hard against temptation, but we do it in our own strength. And Paul speaks today, we're going to read from the book of Galatians chapter 5. Um, in the first few verses of the chapter, Paul's talking about this idea that we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And in that particular portion of scripture, he's talking about circumcision. He's saying to the guys, hey, you guys... You got saved, but now you are going back to the old ways of getting circumcised as well. You, can't, you, you don't need that anymore because you're free. You're not under the law. You're under grace. It's a new covenant. And then he goes on from verse 13, and that's where I want us to read from. So read along with me. You can see it up on the screen, or if you want to open up the app on your phone or your Bible, you can read from there. He says, verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Hallelujah. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. There's this weird tension going on here that I want to talk about today. Paul is saying we're not under the law. It's not about performing. It's not about trying to be good enough. But remember, you can't just do whatever you want. There's this weird tension that we're trying to find today as we read through this and as we discuss it. We can't just do whatever we want, even though we are free to do whatever we want. Paul is effectively saying, you know, there's no compulsion, but he's saying, actually, if you want to live for Christ, you can't do whatever you want. It's not appropriate. Uh, the acts of the, so if you are led by the Spirit, sorry, in verse 18 he says, you are not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So he goes on to talk about what it looks like when you kind of just do whatever you want without regard to what God wants. Um, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says there's more, but these are the kinds of things, this is what it looks like when people live by the flesh and for themselves. He says, I warn you as I did before, he's already told them, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't love God and love this way of life is what he's saying. But the fruit, he goes on to say, rather, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I don't know why they put that word in. We don't use that today, do we? Patience is a better word. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, or actually the real word there is sufferings, with its sufferings and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So my goal today is to talk about how we can live outside of the flesh, if that makes sense. Paul in verse 16 says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh is real, it's there, it's lurking, it's tempting, but don't indulge it. So let's talk about the flesh, just so that we're clear about what we're talking about. What do I mean, what does Paul mean when he says flesh there, or the, the translators put the word flesh there? The, the Greek word, is the word socks, and it applies to our fleshly desires and our soulish desires. Does that make sense? Uh, the part of us that is who we are, that wants things that are opposed to God, and we act out on those things with our fleshly being. So our body is full of the flesh in a sense, and who we are, which is not physical, is a part of that the sensuous nature of man, our cravings, our passions, and our frailties, those things that are apart from the divine influence, prone to sin and opposed to God. There is a part of you that wants to do everything 
apart from God. I don't know if you've ever recognized it at work in yourself. Desires springing up inside of you to do the things that you know God doesn't want you to do. Amen? Do you know where I'm coming from? That is the flesh. And that's what Paul is talking about today. Don't indulge it, he says. Jesus gives us an answer to this. Paul speaking in verse 16. Uh, he says, sorry, he says, serve one another in love. But down in verse, yeah, verse 16, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you want to honor God in your body and in your heart and in your mind, and you want to overcome sin and temptation, Paul makes it very clear to, to us here, the only way to do that is to walk by the Spirit. So we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, and we've tied him into the context of the gifts, their spiritual gifts. We don't conjure them up. They're gifts from God, from Jesus, and from the Holy Spirit that enable us to encourage one another, to walk in particular uh, giftings and ways, etc. Um, and then we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is displaying these characteristics that only come about by the presence of the Spirit at work in us. So even when it comes down to the level of how do I overcome sin in my life, can I just be very clear today? I hope it's going to encourage you. If you've been sat there at points and you've heard people preach about the Holy Spirit and you're like, yeah, I could take it or leave it, I want to tell you today very clearly, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you will never, ever overcome sin and temptation. You don't have the power or the will or the discipline to consistently overcome temptation or the flesh in your life. And so if you take nothing away from today, I pray the one thing you do take is at the end you come and say, I've never been prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Please will you pray for me because I don't want to be by myself in this battle. In 2 Peter and chapter 1, verse 3, it's written there, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Not just life but a godly, God-honoring life. His spirit, his power enables us. That tells us that there is no sin that we cannot overcome or temptation, the Bible tells us, when we have the spirit of God at work in us. It goes on to say, the way that we overcome by the power is through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So there's two elements that I want you to understand as we talk about getting past sin and temptation to displaying fruit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, but equally working together, we need to know the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's not just about getting the power, it's about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, understanding how He works. It's learning to pursue Him more than we pursue other things. It's learning to value the Holy Spirit more than we value other things. It's learning to understand how he thinks and how he operates more than all the others because we can only focus on one. And if we spend our time on the flesh, we'll never grow closer to the Spirit. 
And so that is my first point really today, that if you want to make your way, if you want to walk by the Spirit, if you want to be empowered by Him, you have to be filled with Him and you have to spend time getting to know Him. Because it is possible to be filled, but then spend no time plugging in and listening and becoming empowered and refreshed and having our minds realigned and our hearts realigned. We need to constantly be in communication with the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on um, and in verse 16 or 17, he says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. You know, your flesh wants things that are diametrically opposed to the things of the spirit. And the spirit wants things that are diametrically opposed to the flesh. They don't want the same thing. So when this desire rising up inside of you to do stuff that doesn't honor God, that's the devil, essentially, trying to work his way into your life and through your life. The only way I can really try and illustrate it for you is, you might not be able to see it very clearly, but I've got a little jar here, and in the jar, half of it is filled with water, and on the top of that is a thick layer of oil. Now, you learn in life that oil and water don't mix, amen? No matter how much you shake them, they will separate out. So right now, it just looks like a milky substance, but if I put it down here, come and have a look at the end of the service, and you will see that you will have another layer of water at the bottom again, and a layer of oil on top. What I want you to understand, folks, is there's no way that we can really be full of the fruit of the Spirit if we're walking in the flesh and trying to walk by the Spirit. They don't mix. They're working against each other. They're contrary. There's conflict. We have to choose the way of the Spirit and walk with Him. Amen. We have to be filled with Him and we have to walk closely with Him. Let's move on now. Verse 18, Paul says again, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, when I was thinking about that phrase, led, so we've been talking about walking with the Spirit as if He is in me and I am filled with Him, but now Paul's talking about being led by the Spirit as if the Spirit is ahead of me and you. Sometimes I think we're guilty of having a misunderstanding of the role of the Holy Spirit or what he's all about. Um, if you read in John chapter 14 and verse 16, I'll read it to you. Jesus is speaking. He's talking about how he has to go up to heaven, but he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. And Greg spoke brilliantly about this the other day, talking about how another being the same, exactly the same, the Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus in spirit form. It's not a different person. It's the same, just like the one before he says, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He'll help you and be with you forever. Sometimes when I look back at my own life and the way that I've interacted with the Holy Spirit, it's almost as though I have considered him subconsciously as a personal assistant. You know, the, the, the person who sat outside at a desk outside your office, and whenever you need them, you pick up the phone and you call them, and they come and they do whatever you want like the Holy Spirit has sat in the wings of my life. <clears throat> and when I need him, he rushes out, helps me, and then toddles back 
and I carry on until I need him again. I don't know if you actually have dealt with Holy Spirit like that before. Maybe not intentionally, but that's how it looks in your life. Actually, that is not the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you were to think of Holy Spirit, you would rather think of him as a personal trainer, not a personal assistant, like a little genie in a bottle, rub the bottle, bing, and he's there to help you, but like someone whose job it is, is to look into your life, to reveal the areas where you need to up your game in terms of training, to look into your diet, to see what you're eating and say, actually, you should probably just be eating these kinds of things, to look into your life at your sleep patterns and say, you're not getting enough sleep. You can't expect to grow fit and be more alert and awake if you're not sleeping. Your personal assistant's job is there to encourage you and to push you on. Not there to sit and wait for you to ring your little, your little bell. The Spirit of God is moving forward. He never stops advancing. He is calling back to you and saying, come with me. This is the way. This is your future. Follow me. Let me lead you into it. But sometimes I think we're busy and we're sat and we're oblivious because we're just cracking on with our own life. You know, yesterday <clears throat> I did the park run with, um, with my family and Judah ran with me. Now he's nine. He's about to turn 10. He's got really short legs. If you know him, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a small human being. And five kilometers to a small human being is much more than it is for someone like me. But I was running nice and slowly with him at his pace just to help him be motivated and to feel like he's not suffering by himself, etc., etc. So we would start running together and maybe a couple of hundred meters down the way, he'd say, Dad, I need to walk, I'm tired. So I'd say, okay, let's walk. So I'd walk with him. And uh, after a little while, when we'd walked and I think he's had enough of a rest, I say, right, let's run again. Come on. This is called park run, not park walk. And so off we would go again. My job as a father in that instance was to be like a personal trainer for him. I wasn't trying to be distracted by other things. So like if he turned to me and said, oh, look at that lovely butterfly, dad, which he probably wouldn't. But he'd say, let's go and have a look at it. I would say, no, we're doing the park run, Judah. Come, let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is the way. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's not there just to stand quietly by until we need him, and then suddenly he springs into action. He is moving. He is with us. He is calling back to us and saying, come with me this way. Listen to what I'm saying. I can help you. You can do this. I'll give you the power if you'll come. Our job is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Not to sit by until we need him because there's a crisis in our life. Our whole lives are called to be lived by the Spirit day by day moving forward. He's our personal trainer. He wants God's best for you. He knows how to get you there. He knows how to move you from point A to point B to get around these obstacles. He's got the tactics. He's got the wisdom. He's got the power, the strength that you need to do all of these things. But you have to surrender yourself to him. Amen? You can employ a personal trainer to help you, <clears throat> but if you never show up, you're wasting your money. If you show up and you just sit idly by ignoring every piece of advice he has to say, you're wasting your money. The way that it works is you say, I'm asking you to help me. 
You know more than me. Even the elite athletes of the world have a whole team of people who train them and who pull out of them more than they could possibly do by themselves. The Holy Spirit is for you. Let him lead you. Lastly, I want to focus on verse 24. So we've talked about how we need to be filled and we need to interact with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how he's our personal trainer. And my third point today is this idea where Paul speaks. He's talked about the acts of the flesh. He says they're obvious. And then he follows them on directly in verse 22 with the fruit of the Spirit. And in verse 24, listen now, he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, I think sometimes we can miss the subtlety of what's being said here. Sometimes we can think, well, it's all by the grace of God. I'm saved. His death on the cross, his resurrection has set me free from the power or the penalty of sin. And that's right. But in this life, we still struggle with the power of sin. So Jesus paid the penalty, which means our eternity is fixed. It's sure. Our spirit is healed and restored. It's whole. But our flesh, you know, that visible part of who we are, which is also wrapped up in the invisible part of who we are, our likes and dislikes, our desires for things, that needs saving on a daily basis. And as we progress, Greg talked about this last week, we don't change in a day, we change daily. But it's not by accident that that happens. It's by our diligence, amen? And so Paul talks about crucifixion here, and he's, he's, he's drawing people's attention to Jesus on the cross. But listen now, he's saying to the people who are there, you have to crucify your own flesh. I have to crucify my own flesh. What does that mean? It means like they hammered nails through his flesh, drove them through his flesh and all that pain that held him to the tree. That death that took place as a result of that horrible process, we need to enact that by the power of the Spirit on our passions and desires that are contrary to God. He gives us the power, but we put it into practice. Amen? So, crucifixion is a very deliberate act. Again, I'm I'm stating the obvious for you. It doesn't happen by accident. Sometimes you and I might be guilty of hoping that by osmosis or accident or whatever, that sinful habits will stop happening in our lives. Sometimes we might pray, God, please, would you help me? I can't do this. And you're right. You can't do it by yourself. But it's like, God, if you, if you just say the word, I'll never have this desire again and I'll be free from this thing forever and ever and ever. Amen. And sometimes by the grace of God, that happens. But for the rest of us, it's by a deliberate effort, empowered by the Spirit, we nail and crucify those areas of sin in our lives. And in the process of doing that and relating to the Holy Spirit and relying on his power, we realize that fruit of the Spirit is being produced in our lives. Amen. More oil than water. More fresh orange juice, the real stuff, 
than self-effort stuff. Amen? I want to encourage you today to be ruthless with sin. With all the help that the Spirit of God gives you, be ruthless with it. So I'm going to finish now. I'm going to tie this up as an application for us today. We're talking about how we can deal with sin in our lives so that fruit can flourish. They can't live together. We actively have to be involved in the process, but we realize too, it's the, only by the Spirit of God's power and His working with us that we do it. We overcome, but we're involved. So number one, be clear about where your focus is. Take the focus off of yourself. Now, in a sense, I'm saying sometimes we're just trying in our own strength, like I'm the answer to my problem. But actually, I need to recognize that it's God who's the answer. And so I yield myself. I'm not the leader anymore. The Holy Spirit is now my leader. I give him the right and the place to be my personal trainer. And I subject myself to what he calls me to do. And I respond to him. Amen. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. It's not about what feels good to me in the moment, but about what God is calling me to. It's not a moment of pleasure, but a lifestyle. It's not about me. It's about you, God. The focus must come off of ourselves and go on to God. And we need to spend less time trying to indulge ourselves and the flesh and rather focus on other people. Paul says it brilliantly in verse 13. He says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Spend more time on other people than you do on yourself, in a sense. Because the more time you have idly in your hands, the more space the devil has to play with your head and in your heart and in your life. Number two, be ruthless with your flesh. Drive a stake through sin. You know, sometimes, obviously, sin has an appeal, doesn't it? But it always leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. Sometimes we can think of sin like a little pet lion, lovely and fluffy and cute. And instead of putting that out of our life, we stroke it and we play with it. But it just grows and grows until it's full grown and all it wants to do is eat you. That is the reality of sin. Let it grow. One day it will take its jaw on the back of your neck and bite and you will die spiritually in some way. Don't play with sin. Kill it. Amen? And number three, can I encourage you to make time for the Holy Spirit? Don't rush into your day. Don't see it as an exercise, right? I've read my Bible, off I go. Take time to be still, Take time to focus on the Spirit of God, not just at the beginning of your day, but as you go, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. 
Listen for his voice. Listen for his leading. Listen for his prompting. When it comes to a decision, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, what do you want? When you encounter people and you you just sense his compassion rising up inside of you, don't rush on with your day. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, what should I say? What should I pray? Involve him in the detail of your life. And by that, you will do, as Paul talks about in verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. You know, that image is that of um, a body of soldiers marching together in row upon row, in step, in tune. That's the image. They all take their lead from the guy on the end. And that's like us taking our lead from the Holy Spirit every step that we take. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word, God. I thank you for what you're speaking to us. In this moment, Lord, just give us real clarity about how we should respond. I thank you, God, there's no condemnation in this place. There's no sense of we are failures and disappointment to you. I thank you like any good personal trainer, God, you are smiling at us, you're encouraging us, you're telling us that we can do it, that you are with us, that you are for us. And so I pray, Lord, for those of us who are feeling defeated in this moment, that you will help them to look up and to step up, that you will help them, God, to go again in the power that you give them. Thank you that you are hope, Lord, and that you are freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us every moment of every day. And I pray you help us to focus in on you, that you would lead us and direct us, and that our lives the bowels of our lives would be heavy laden with the fruit of your spirit. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.